My name is Lisa Ryan, and I have been rock climbing since I was 15. With the group of rock climbers that I used to climb with in high school, we would do this thing with each other where we wouldn't let each other down until we made it to the top. So while we would be on the wall, you know, we'd get to this point where we thought we couldn't do it anymore, and we'd say, let me down, let me down, I don't want to keep going, but my friends would always say, no, I'm not letting you down until you get to the top, and they would just encourage me to keep going, and I would do the same for them. climbing because it pushes me past my limits. Sometimes don't think I challenge myself enough in life and climbing is a challenge for me. I knew this group of people in high school that they would really live for the next climb. They would work these jobs, make enough money to go climb the next big thing. And that was their entire life. It pretty much consumed everything they did. My relationship with God really consumes everything that I do. So when I rock climb, it's not really about rock climbing. It's about me and my relationship with God. If it's all about rock climbing at the end of the day, you know, the wall is done and you go home. My relationship with God continues and that's what's important. Rock climbing, even though it is inherently dangerous, it is relatively safe because you're hooked in, you've got a rope and you've got that person holding the rope at the bottom. That is part of the reason that I push forward and even if I feel like I'm gonna slip, and it's scary, I know it's not gonna be the end and I'll keep moving forward because that rope is gonna hold. All of the times that I feel like God has asked me to do something that I feel is out of my comfort zone or scary, what brings me comfort there is knowing that God is gonna catch me. And God is kind of like my belayer. He is always holding my ropes and even if what he's asking me to do makes me reach farther than I think I can and, and there's a risk of failing, I know that even if I fail or even if I fall, that he's always going to catch me and we're always going to be able to continue to move forward because he's there holding the rope. I feel like I've done a lot of crazy things in my life with outdoor rock climbing and mountaineering and even though some of those things have been really scary and really thrilling, it doesn't come anywhere close to some of the risks that God has asked me to take with my faith. But those risks have been far better for me as a person in developing who I am than any of the climbs that I've ever done or the thrills that end. We are continuing our series called Thrill Secrets, and if you missed part one, I'm going to just get you caught up to speed, or in case you uh, forgot some of it, I'll just get you caught up to speed. Uh, thrill Sequence is a term that River Valley made up, and my wife was saying after last weekend, she's like, you kept saying that. I said, I was proud of it. You know, I'm proud of it that we made up that term, uh, and we've identified what even Solomon couldn't figure out. And, uh, but the Thrill Sequence really is that people are living uh, a life, and they feel bored, and they have a, a desire to have happiness. 
happiness. They have a desire to have meaning. They have a desire to, to fill the emptiness within, within them. And so they chase after the thrill, and then they share that experience. They tell the story. They try it again until it doesn't meet the, the thrill in their life again. And they go on and move on to another thrill. And they keep doing this all the time, hoping that this will bring uh, meaning to their life, make them happy, uh, give them a rush, fill their void in their life. And it really doesn't work. It doesn't work to keep chasing after these thrills, and yet we do it over and over and over again. And our theme verse for this uh, series is Proverbs 21, 17 in the message translation. It says, you're addicted to thrills. What an empty life. What an empty life. The pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. And you think that we'd wake up, but we don't. And so as we take a deeper look at it today and we go to part two, um, we're going to look at this. What am I made for and what will really thrill me? What am I made for and what will really thrill me? What, what, what will answer this thrill sequence that I'm chasing after? What will quench my thirst? What will do it for me? And uh, right away, I just want to expose two lies that fight against the answer for you. Um, the answer is it's going to be very obvious to you, but there's two things that fight against the two lies. And uh, the first lie is this, that uh, living for anything but thrills will be boring and dull. Specifically, if you live for God, it will be boring and dull. Now, how many people have you ever heard, like, well, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to just go to heaven and strum a harp or something. I'm not going to do that. Boring and dull, okay? And so we've got this lie that's out there, and there's this huge problem that's out there because Christianity is sold as boring and dull. And uh, again, next week in part three, we're going to really look at what our adrenaline was meant for and what God has called us to. Another lie is that God doesn't want us to enjoy anything, anything at all. Uh, It's just this feeling that God is against pleasure, and we touched on this a little bit last week, but it's a lie that makes it so hard for people to break out of the thrill sequence because they think, uh, okay, I'm looking at God, but it looks like God is against anything good, and the thing that makes it hard for us to fight against this lie, how many know this, is some of the way that Christians live. You know, we look like God is against everything. Our faces look like, I found the joy. Got it. Jesus is everything. I love serving him. Love giving tithes. You know, and it's like, why would they want to do that, right? Okay, so turn to your neighbor and let your face show the joy of the Lord. Do that right now here at all of our campuses. Let your face show the joy of the Lord that you found. Okay, God is not against pleasure. And as we said last week in most of the services, I said, God is not against pleasure. I can prove it. Taste buds and bacon. All right, so he's not against pleasure, all right? He's for that. So those are two lies that are there that keep us caught into the thrill sequence. And when we ever try to break out of it, we, we hear those lies, and people will tell us those lies, and maybe the enemy will whisper those lies into our mind. And um, if we would just look at the Word of God, we could see that God isn't against pleasure. First uh, Timothy six seventeen, it says, "Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment." It's right there. He's providing stuff for our enjoyment. He's okay with us uh, enjoying things and having pleasure in our life. And, and, and so we, we need to break out of that lie. We need to break out of that lie that he's against it. So we uh, believe God is against pleasure, and so we get sucked into the thrill sequence, and people chase after it, and they chase after it, and chase after it, and they try to get happy, and all people try to get happy. 
The whole world tries to get happy, uh, but especially Americans. You, you probably know this, um, and if you went to school, you know this. Uh, our Declaration of Independence even put like, the pursuit of happiness right in there. It said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it's almost like in America, it's like the pursuit of happiness, ready, set, go! And we're running, and we're running, and we're running, and we're chasing after happiness. And the problem is people aren't really finding it. Blaise Pascal, a great philosopher, he said, all men seek happiness, this is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war, it's the cause of others avoiding it. It's the same desire in both, attended with different views. They will never, uh, the will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man. And he says this, he says, even of those who hang themselves. He's saying they're trying to find happiness. That's, and I'm not advocating this. And I think any type of suicide is an eternal end to a temporary problem, and it's not the right answer. But he's saying the people's motive for it, they're trying to find happiness. He said everything, go to war, stay out of war, do this, chase after that. He's like, I'm observing this and seeing everybody's chasing after happiness. He's basically saying everybody's trying to fill the void. They're looking for this thrill sequence, and they're going after it, and they're chasing it. And so everybody is chasing after this thrill sequence. That's why big thing right now in our society is, is bucket lists. How many know that's pretty new in society? It's like, you gotta have a bucket list. What's your bucket list? What are you chasing after? What are you, what's gonna bring you your happiness? And again, I am not against bucket lists, okay? I have a bucket list, okay? I do. I have a, a huge bucket list. I asked Becca the other day, I said, what's your bucket list? She said, yours. It's <laughs> good, it's good. All right, let's do it together. All right, but here's the thing. My bucket list is not just I wanna take in all these experiences. There's a difference. I think a Christian bucket list is not just I'll take in, I'll take in, I'll take in. A Christian bucket list says I'll give out, I'll give out, I'll give out. I'm gonna have the experience of going and feeding orphans in Africa. I'm gonna give out. I'm gonna have the experience of knowing that I sponsor three children in Africa. I'm gonna have the experience of preaching the gospel on every continent. I'm gonna have that, you see what I'm saying? My bucket list is not about me taking and taking. My bucket list has a ton of things that are giving and giving and giving and giving out. But we pursue entertainment so hard because we're looking to, to fill the void. We're looking for happiness. We're chasing after it. We pursue it like it's a, a full-time occupation. We chase after excitement so hard and, and entertainment and excitement. We add excitement to excitement. In our little promo video that we're showing here, that flyboarding that that guy is doing, that's like somebody had a jet ski and they're getting the thrills from their jet ski and they're like, how can I make the jet ski even more thrilling? I can put a tube on it, put boots on it and fly through the air, ah, you know what I mean? We make excitement even more exciting. I mean, we're, do you realize this? We even make corn exciting. We're like, it's just corn. How can we make it exciting? We can make a maze. We can trap people in corn. <laughs> we can do this. We can make corn exciting. We can do it. I mean, it's the thrill sequence. We're so addicted to this. We're like thrills upon thrills. We spend $12 billion on amusement parks every year. That's more than we give to missions. The world is spending, they're like, I'm gonna do it. Matter of fact, I found this out. There's a new ride coming out next year because the rides aren't tall enough. 
um, in New Jersey, they're doing the tallest drop ride in the world. Next year it will open. It's going to be 415 feet, just to put that in perspective. It's two times as high as the Statue of Liberty. Two of them. So you're going to go up in this little thing, go all the way up there, and they're going to drop you. But it's going to be even more exciting than that. They're going to shoot a roller coaster over your head while they plunge you to the earth. <laughs> Thrill sequence. All right, yeah. That's what it is. Man. Now, here's the thing, and I don't have time to go all into this. It would be a whole nother sermon. But in Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is kind of warning us that the world is going to subtly suck us in to new things that are going to suck us into the thrill sequence. Things that didn't even exist before, you'll need them. You'll need to have them. You'll need to be a part of them. Uh, roller coasters that were never invented. All right, now I got to try it. Now I got to have a jet ski. Now I got to put a tube on it and fly through the air. The jet. I got, you know, new things, and it'll all look so normal. You'll think nothing of spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to chase the thrill sequence and never, ever give to the kingdom of God. It's like a subtle sucking in that the world does. And in Colossians 2, he's, he's warning against the forces of the world that just kind of will lull you into the thrill sequence and just suck you along so you never really live for what's important. That's how we can make more money than we've ever made and we still don't have enough. We always want more. It's a subtle thing that the devil just says, you know, like it wasn't, I mean, you know what would really throw you a little bit more? You know what would really throw you another fill in the blank? That's what would fill you if you could just have a little bit more. But see, even the rich have told us that it doesn't meet their needs, that it doesn't answer. And yet many people are like, I still want to try. I still want to try. People that have climbed the ultimate ladder of success in thrill sequence, chasing after it, living the dream, have given us just amazing quotes saying it doesn't do it. It's a, it's a, I'm addicted to thrills. It's an empty life. The pursuit of this pleasure is never satisfied. I just can't do it. And Tom Brady gave everyone that every preacher, like the greatest quote they could ever hope for to try to convince people to break out of the thrill sequence. This is what he said. He said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? This is in 2007. He said, I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I've reached my goal, my dream, my life. I, I think, God, it's gotta be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. And the guy interviewing him said, well, what's the answer? And Brady said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I love playing football. I love being quarterback of this team. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of parts about me that I'm trying to find out. I was on 60 Minutes. So we've got, like, here he is like an evangelist. It's basically saying, break out of the thrill sequence. It's not working. I've got the rings. I've got the money. I've got the stuff. I just, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. It's not meeting the need. Man, and Without God, it's no wonder people are trying to squeeze everything they can out of life, chase it all, chase it all, chase it all, because they don't have what really matters. Carl Jung said this in A Modern Man in Search of a Soul. He said, about a third of my cases that I see are suffering from no clinically defiable neurosis, but from the senselessness and emptiness of their lives. This can be described as the general, general neurosis of our time. He's saying, I'm seeing all these people and there's nothing wrong with them. They're just empty. And, and the big problem, I guess, with our day is that they're just empty. They, they, it's not filling them up. 
They're eating high-calorie food with no nutrition. And he's not the only one saying this. He's not the only one that said it. The, the Atlantic magazine, it said this quote. They were studying the National Academy of Science on a study of happiness. And they measured happiness for people. And they asked them questions like, when do you feel good? When do you feel good? And then they measured meaning as an orientation towards something bigger than them. Like, do you feel like you have meaning? Like you're living for more than just yourself. So they said, are you happy and doing things you like to do, living in the thrill sequence? Um, and they said, or do you have significance? And so they studied all these people, and they found that only one quarter of the people really were truly happy. And they, it was a fancy word. I'm going to give it to you here. Eudaimonic predominance. Eudaimonic predominance. And what does it mean? It means that their sense of meaning outpaced their feelings of happiness. It's saying, I had these little things, the thrill sequence, but my meaning is way down here. And my thrill sequence is so big, but my meaning is so small. But they said there was a quarter of people that had more meaning than their happiness. These are the people that are living for something higher than them. And the world is like, you know what? The people that were chasing after happiness, this is interesting. They said the people that were chasing after happiness and not meaning, their bodies responded the same way as if they were getting ready to fight off a chronic illness. Think about this. Like you're chasing happy, happy, happy. I'm trying to cram it in. I'm living in the thrill sequence. I'm living in the thrill sequence. And these scientists have discovered that your body, when you're chasing after the thrill sequence, is like, you are sick. You don't know you're sick, but you're sick. And we're going to start getting your body ready to fight the sickness because you are living in sickness. Isn't that amazing? Your own physical body starts realizing that you chasing after the thrill sequence means you're sick. And when you don't have enough meaning in your life, your body is like, you are just like you had a chronic disease. You are sick, and it's fighting. And people are like, no wonder they feel miserable. No wonder they want to medicate. No wonder they take their lives. No wonder they uh, stay up at night, and they take a pill to sleep. They take a pill to wake up. No wonder, because their body is like, you are sick, and they don't even realize the sickness. Those are scientists that were saying it. St. Augustine said it way simpler than eudaimonic predominance. <laughs> he said, we look for happiness not in you, but in what you've created. He said, it will never bring meaning. We're looking for happiness in the things you created and not in the creator. He's basically saying, if there's no meaning, there's no happiness. And if you are stuck in the thrill sequence, you will not be living in happiness. Instead, your body will be saying, you're sick, you're sick, you're sick. It's time to listen. It's time to listen. Now here's something. Here's something that I thought about. People that chase the thrills the hardest, okay? Within us, we all have a desire to pursue happiness, to fill the void, to do this. And I think the people that chase after the thrill sequence the hardest are really aggressive chasers of God. They just don't know it. I think they could be the next Apostle Pauls. They just don't know it. They're like, I am sold out on the party, party. Okay, that party animal could be the next most amazing church planter. Think about that. The guy that's like, money, money, money. I got to have money. He could be the next most amazing missionary helping the poor because he could be challenging everybody because he's an aggressive chaser. The hole is there, and he was made to be an aggressive chaser, and he's aggressively chasing after all these other things. So can I give you permission to invite aggressive chasers to church? 
A lot of us are afraid of him. They're like, oh, he's really chasing after the party scene. He probably would never, ever, ever want to hear about God because he is the party animal. He would never. That's probably the one guy you should invite. The person that's kind of dabbling just doesn't know that it's empty. You need to go after the one that realizes it's empty and get him here. So let's get some aggressive chasers in church. I see a few here at our campus, all right. There's a few, and you're, I love it. You're like our Marines, you know? <laughs> love it. <laughs> Think about it, you got Christine Kane, you know, she's like an aggressive chaser. Could you imagine her not as a Christian? She'd be insane, okay? She'd probably be a, a bomber or something, you know? But I mean, thank God she's on our side. Okay, enough of that, all right. Psalm 92, verse four. The psalmist says this. You thrill me, Lord, with all you've done for me. I sing for joy because of what you've done. That's what you're made for. You are made, when you get burned out of the thrill sequence, you are made to come along and say, you thrill me, Lord, with all you've done for me. You thrill me. And you know what Jesus is saying to people that are aggressive chasers that are burned out? He's saying, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he's saying, you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to burn yourself out. Your body is thinking you're sick. You just don't know it yet. You're wore out. And if you'll come to me, I'll give you life. I'll give you really what you've been looking for. The Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's it. We were made to enjoy God. That's the thrill sequence. That's really it. That's what will bring meaning to you, enjoying God and being in relationship with him. And that's why the people that are living for something more than themselves, that, that quarter of the population that's living for more than themselves, they're living for God. And all of a sudden they found significance and, and, and the neat thing about it is they're living with significance and all these other things. It's just like dessert, it's not the main meal and you can enjoy those things but you're not driven by them because you enjoy God. And the real thrill is in God and, and you've got to hear that. And you're like, we know that, we're here, we're at church, maybe there's people watching online, maybe you're visiting. You were made to break out of that thrill sequence and really live for God. And when you do, you will experience a whole new thrill sequence. You experience a whole new thrill sequence. Let me explain this. There are uh, activities that you can do as a follower of Jesus Christ that lead to true happiness, that lead to true joy, that lead to true satisfaction. And they're the real thrill sequence. And they don't look like it. Remember those lies that we started with. They don't look like it, but they really are the real joy. When you have a willful trust in God as your maker, that brings you into the thrill sequence because you start living for more than this world and the disappointments that come at you in this world, you're like, I trust him, I trust him. And you start living at a higher level than people chasing after other things. When you engage in heartfelt worship of God in your life, in the way you live, in the way you sing, in the way you spend your day, there's real joy there. There's real joy, there's real happiness, there's this peace that's there. When you pursue the knowledge of God, when you wanna to get to know him and you think like uh, a Bible study will bring me the thrill sequence, yes it will. Man, if you don't know the joy of that when a scripture comes alive and all of a sudden you're like, 
I understand God so much more. And it makes you cry. And you're like, I can't believe God would love me that much. Or I can't believe that's what God is like. And I can't believe that that revelation and the rush and the joy. I'm telling you what, your body is saying, you are whole. You are well. There's like a peace that just comes over you, even from pursuing the knowledge of God. There's a joy in responsible stewardship, and the world would never think this. That's why Jesus says it's more blessed to give than receive, because all of a sudden when you're a steward of your time and your talent and your treasures, all of a sudden the real thrill sequence starts kicking in. And it's a thrill sequence to think, how much can we give? How much can we give? How little could we live on? How, what more, more percentage could we live on? You know, can we give more? Can we do it? It's a thrill sequence that the world has no idea of. They're burning it up on all these things that won't matter, and you're changing lives. And man, that's the thrill sequence. You go to bed at night and you sleep sound. That's the thrill sequence. British theologian Graham Tomlin, he said, doing these godly things and adding goodness and wisdom to your life. Get ready for this, parents, get ready. You might have to explain some things here. He said, goodness and wisdom in our life make us happier than food and sex. That's what he said. He said, adding goodness and wisdom to our life makes us happier than food or sex. And he said, very few people know this, partly because sex and gluttony are everywhere recommended in our society. So we strain after them, but they can never make us ultimately happy on their own. What is he saying? Simply put, he's saying, you think it's fun being a foodie? It's way more fun being a goodie. That's what he's saying. He's saying you add righteousness to your life, and that will make you way happier than being a foodie. And the neat thing is, if you're a goodie, you can be a goodie and a foodie, all right? You say, you know, being a player is the life. And the world would say, that's it. Be a player. Don't get married. Don't make a commitment. Be a player. Play the field. God would say, wisdom building your house, this is the life. And I'm going to look at the camera right now because I won't look at anybody in the church. And so if you're at a campus and you feel convicted, that's the Holy Spirit. I'm not looking at anybody in the church, maybe online, I'm talking to you. That I would say this to the people that are living the life of the player. You think that's real life and it's empty and it's shallow. It's shallow. You know what the real joy is? Waking up every day next to the person that you made a vow to that will be there with you for the rest of your life. That's real joy. That's the thrill sequence. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm speaking to the player now. And again, I'm looking at the camera, all right? (laughs) I'm not making eye contact with anyone. All right. You know what the real joy is? Tucking your kids into bed every night and not having to visit them on Thursdays and every other weekend. The real thrill sequence is what they say to you at evening prayers and in the morning at breakfast, and when you're able to do life with them. That is the thrill sequence. Wisdom builds my house, and it is amazing. We were made to enjoy God. That is the thrill sequence. We were made to be thrilled by the Lord. We were made to swim in an ocean of pleasure and leave the mud puddles of the thrill sequence. God says, I've created you for so much more. And the good news of this is, whoever you are, wherever you are, if you are stuck in the wrong thrill sequence, Jesus is saying today, come to me, come to me, come to me. If you're weary, if you're wore down, if you're broken, man, come to me. Come to me, I'll give you rest. I'll give you what you're looking for. I'll fill the hole in your life. 
I'll give you real meaning in your life. So the psalmist said, you show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And that's it. That's the thrill sequence. That is the thrill sequence. You were made to pursue God and to break out of the world's thrill sequence and to really find meaning in Jesus Christ. It's open to everyone. And the real question is, will you grab a hold of it? If we could bow our heads and close our eyes here and at all of our campuses, we're gonna have an opportunity for a moment of truth here, for us to break out of the thrill sequence of the world and break into the thrill sequence that Jesus offers us. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're here with this moment. We're here with this moment and maybe you feel convicted. You feel like I've been sucked into the thrill sequence. I've been sucked in and I've, I've pushed away God. I've pushed away the things of God because I just thought it was boring. I thought it wouldn't, meet, it wouldn't meet my needs. And so I've chased after these other things. I put on a good act. I come to church with my friend or I come to church with my uh, spouse. I come to church with my mom and dad but I've never really left the thrill sequence of the world and jumped into relationship with Jesus Christ, what I'm made for. And I want to give you that opportunity as we close out this service. I want to give you that opportunity to break out of the world's thrill sequence and break into the true thrill sequence, sequence which is only found in Jesus Christ. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. I may have said some strong things, but I was trying to shake some people up. And it's time right now to say, what thrill sequence will you live for? Will you live to glorify God or will you live to glorify the world? The world will never, never be satisfied. But Jesus is the one that brings satisfaction. And if that's you in just a minute, I'm gonna ask you that you'd slip up your hand and look up at me and I will include you in a closing prayer. This is for anyone here that says, I'm ready to call on the name of the Lord. I'm ready. I'm ready to find the pleasures that are at his right hand. I didn't know. I've been living to the, listening to the lies, but I'm ready to break out of it. And if that's you and you're saying, Pastor Rob, include me in the closing prayer. I'm, I'm it. With everyone else, their heads are bowed, their eyes are closed. This is your opportunity. Would you slip up your hand and look up at me and I'll include you in this closing prayer. You say, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. This is my moment. I'm ready to do it. Go ahead and slip up your hand. You say, I'm ready. I'm breaking out of it. Yes, I see your hand. Other others, yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand in the back. Yes. Yes, I see your hand. It just went up and in the back over there by that pole. Yes. Yes, this is what it's about. We're breaking out of the world's thrill sequence and coming into the Lord's thrill sequence. Yes, way over there. I see your hand. I come into agreement. You can put your hands down. Yes, I saw yours. Just come up right there at the last minute. I thank God for that. I was a young man. He's going to be spared from a whole lot of pain of the world's thrill sequence, and he's going to find true meaning in life. And all those that raised their hand and said they want to be part of, this, part of this are going to find true meaning in life. And I want to pray a prayer, and I want you to repeat it after me out loud, okay? And the people around you are going to repeat it out loud as a form of encouragement to say, hey, we're, we're praying this with you. But the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross to pay the price for you, that he rose again from the dead so you could be forgiven. The Bible says he'll forgive you of your sins. He'll break you out of that worldly thrill sequence and bring you into the real thrill sequence that really matters. So let's pray this prayer. Would you repeat it after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong. 
I've chased after the wrong things. And that's going to stop. I want to chase after you with all my heart. I ask you to forgive me. And I pledge to live for you for the rest of my life. I thank you that you paid the price so I didn't have, I didn't have to. Thank you for that, Jesus. In your name I pray. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. So simple, so true. They turned from their sins. They said they're sorry. They know that they've been living in that other thrill sequence. And now they break out of that and they turn to you. And you say that you'll forgive them of their sins. You'll give them a new life. You'll give them real joy. You'll give them real happiness. You'll give them real meaning. And I thank you for that, God. I just pray right now that that faith decision that they made would be cemented in their lives and they would understand what they've done because eternal life has entered them. Real joy has entered them. The real thrill sequence is what they're living for now. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.